Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on March 16th, 2014. Today's message is titled, Praying with Hope, by Pastor Isaac Whiting, and is based on scripture, Luke, chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. Join in prayer once again as we move toward God's word. Heavenly Father, we are here today to hear from you. And we pray that in this time you would speak. Every one of us would hear your voice and we would be inspired to put into practice the things that you teach us. Amen? Amen. So today my basic task is to convince you and convince myself or remind you and remind myself that prayer in the name of Jesus actually works. That God will answer our prayers. That he really will if we keep on going. I've got a book up here this morning. And this book is a biography of George Mueller. How many of you know of or have read about George Mueller? Oh, man. Okay, so George Mueller is amazing, and I will be quoting a story from him earlier. He, uh, just in really in brief, in the 1800s, he ran an orphanage for about 40 years in the city of Bristol, England, that housed over 2,000 orphans at its peak. And he never once asked anyone for money other than God. Not even once. I read this book back in uh, October, and it's really inspired my life of prayer ever since. And so what I'm going to do this morning is give it away. And you should know something else about this book, is that this book comes from the personal library of Ruth Hemmerling. So I have thrown out two huge names of faith here. George Mueller and Ruth Hemmerling. And so I highly recommend this book. I'm going to give it away to the first person who's bold enough to walk up here and ask me for it. Feel free to interrupt the sermon. <laughs> okay, okay. You may. And I will order another copy for Vic. That is round of applause. Wow. That's also why you should sit in the front, just saying. All right, so I'm going to tell a number of stories uh, this morning because we're talking about prayer. And I'm going to tell a number of stories, and so I'd like to start off just with two brief stories. The first one is about my grandpa. So this here is my grandpa Doug, and this is a picture of me and a picture of my brother Brandon uh, back in good old 1985. For some of you, that seems like it was just yesterday, I know. And for others of you, it's like, whoa, he's so old. I can't believe it. Um, So this is when I was either five or six. I don't know when exactly this picture was taken. And my grandfather has passed away now. He passed away in 2009. But this picture is from right around the time when he started praying that my brother and I would become believers, would become followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, Our parents were not following Christ at that time. We did not go to church at all, and we never did go to church while we were growing up. At his memorial service, 
at his funeral, a man came up to me afterwards and said, Isaac, I want you to know that I was your grandfather's prayer partner during the 1980s and the 90s. And I want you to know that we met together almost every single day and prayed for you and your brother for 15 years. For 15 years. And at the end of those 15 years, when I was 20 years old in college, alone in my room, God spoke to me and I became a Christian. My brother became a Christian the year later. 15 years. This is around the time when he had started praying for us. Took a little while. Second story I want to tell you today is about the Honor Your Parents Youth Intensive. And I'll be talking a little bit more about this later, but this is a this is a youth program that we have been going through, about seven of us, and we just today are finishing it. It's been going on for four weeks. And part of this program is that we have been praying a ton. We've been praying at least four separate times every day, and we've been praying for our parents. So the second story is this. I call up my mom, okay, and I hadn't called her in a while. It's not so good. I called up my mom and I said, how's it going, mom? And this was about two weeks into this prayer intensive. And she said, it's going great. And that's unusual because she's taking care of my grandfather right now who has Alzheimer's and it's very difficult. She said, it's going great. She said, it seems like for the last two weeks, Wherever I turn, God is opening doors and doing things in my life. And she began to list off specific examples of things God had been doing for her. Huge things. And I started laughing on the phone. And I said, you have no idea, but there's this army of teenagers who are praying for you every single day. My mother noticed, my mother noticed the difference without having any idea that anyone was praying for her. Prayer in the name of Jesus actually works. As we move toward the text today, I want to say a little something about prayer and relationship with God. We talk a lot about personal relationship with God. And for a long time after I had become a Christian, I didn't really understand what that meant, a personal relationship with God. What exactly makes up a personal relationship with God? with God? What does it consist of? Does it just mean I read my Bible and pray? Does it just mean that I do what God says or I go to church? Well, no, it doesn't mean any of those things at its most basic level. Think about relationships with people that you know. A relationship with someone is more than just knowing about them, and it's more than just listening to them or learning from them or doing what they say, though it involves all of those things. A, a relationship with another person is based on actions, is based on knowing the other person and doing things with them or for them or having things done for you. And so if we think about the primary way that Jesus talked about our relationship with God as a parent and children, that's the primary way. As we heard about last week from Pastor Lyle, parents and children, we can see that a relationship with God consists primarily in God doing things for us. At least that's the way that the relationship is built. If you think of a parent and a baby, 
the relationship starts out completely based on what the parent is doing for the baby. The baby doesn't know the parent at all. And this is how our relationship with God begins, by God actually doing things for us. And so it's when we pray and then see that God actually answers our prayers that we build a relationship with God. Also in this youth intensive that I mentioned a while earlier, one of the youth recently said something to me after he had had God answer one of his prayers in a very dramatic way. And I won't get it word for word. But he said basically this. We talk about faith in God a lot, and often I think I have faith. But then, at that moment when God answers my prayer, and I realize that he's really there, that's totally different than what happens most of the time. Prayer Having your prayers answered is the basis of relationship with God. We're going to move into the text now, and so if you'd like, you can open to Luke chapter 18 with me. If you remember where we are, uh, we are in the season of Lent, and so there's a sermon series going on right now preparing us for Easter, preparing us to remember what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection from the dead three days later on the third day. And so in Luke chapter 18, which all of the sermons for a while will be on, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus is giving teachings and he is doing things to prepare his disciples for the fact that he won't be there anymore. So he's been there with them for three years, roughly, give or take, and they have learned how to follow him, literally follow him everywhere he goes and do whatever he says. But now he knows that he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to die, he's going to rise again from the dead, and then he's going to be gone from them physically. He will still be with them, and in fact he will be with them even more than he had been with them while he was physically on earth. But he's trying to prepare them for just exactly how he will be with them, because they won't be able to see him anymore with their physical eyes. And so that is what all these teachings in Luke chapter 18 are about. Today we're looking at verses 1 to 8, and this is the parable of the the persistent widow, the widow and the judge. And let me just cut straight to the main point. The main point of this passage that Jesus is trying to teach us, and we can be very certain about what it is because Luke comes right out and tells us what the main point is. The main point is that God really will answer your prayers if you keep on asking in hope. Jesus says it in a little bit different way, or Luke does. He says, God will answer your prayers if you keep on asking and never give up. If we keep on asking, we don't give up, and we have hope, God will actually answer our prayers. So, the persistent widow. The story here is of a widow. She's lost her husband, and so she is a vulnerable person in that society. She doesn't have an income. And a judge, or a ruler, or a leader, or an elder in her village 
And this is just a parable that Jesus makes up. We don't know that he's talking about an actual real person. And so there aren't a lot of details to the story. But Jesus tells us this, that this woman had some great need. Some injustice had been done to her. Or she needed something very much. And so she went to this leader in her village. But the leader in her village was corrupt. He didn't care about anyone or anything. He was totally and just upfront about being in it for the money and the position. He didn't care about her. Get away from me, you ridiculous widow. I could care less about your needs. But the widow kept on coming. She kept going to the judge day after day and asking him for help. Note that she asked him for help. And eventually, as you know, would very likely happen in real life, this judge, this ruler, he says, I can't stand this anymore. This widow just keeps on coming and bothering me. She's wearing me out. I'm sick of her being at my office every day when I show up. I'm trying to get stuff done. I just want to play solitaire and look at Facebook on my computer, and this widow keeps ringing my doorbell. And he says, all right, fine. I'm going to give her what she wants just so she'll go away. Now, notice several things about what the widow does, because I think this is very important for understanding how Jesus is teaching us to pray. The first thing is this. That remote controls don't work good. The first thing is that the widow is not angry or manipulative with the judge. She's not coming and attacking the judge or yelling at the judge or lying to the judge and trying to trick him or force him into doing what she wants. We know that's true in the story because how easy is it if you are in a position of power to get rid of someone who's trying to manipulate or who is angry at you? It's very easy. If someone comes to the church and asks for $5 and then they yell at me when I say I don't want to give it to them right then, it's very easy to send them away from the church. But the widow is coming and simply presenting a request. She's presenting it humbly and repeatedly. She's not doing anything that would allow the judge to kick her out. Secondly, and I think this is important, is that the widow is asking for something that is really important to her. It's something that she really cares about, and it's something she has great hope that the judge will be able to answer. If it were something that were just mildly important to this widow, then she wouldn't have the staying power, the ability to keep going every single day. If she didn't believe that the judge would eventually give her what she wanted, then she wouldn't be able to keep up this this going, this relentless pursuit of what she needs. And so in the end, because of her hope, and because she's asking for something that's really important to her, and because she is indeed asking, she finally gets what she needs. She gets what she needs. Jesus then begins to tell us the lesson, the moral of this story. I 
And the moral of the story is basically this. Jesus says first, requests. Your ability to ask people things, simply to ask in humility, has power. It has power even over people who are evil and don't care about you. And so, don't you think it would have power on God? Don't you think if it exerts influence on people who don't even like you, that your simple, humble requests would exert an influence on God who loves you? God loves you, Jesus says. He even died for you. He loves you so much that when he hears your requests, he's not like the judge who really wants to just put you off. He is a God who wants to answer your requests. And won't he come running, Jesus says. Won't he come running and answer your requests as quickly as he possibly can? Yes, he will. God will answer your prayers. Now, there's a little something here. Uh, Jesus has almost said two things that seem contradictory in some ways. He said at the beginning that you have to persist in prayer. Sometimes prayer might take a long, long time for God to answer. We've seen that in the story of my grandfather. But then he's also said something else now, that God will come running to you quickly and answer your prayers. And what is it that brings these two pieces of what Jesus has said together? I think it's simply this, that prayer has to do with relationship, and prayer is dangerous. What I mean here is that God is trying to build a relationship with you in prayer. He is trying to get you and him on the same page, united, having the same mind and wanting the same things. He's trying to bring you into relationship with him. And that is so that he can trust you with things that are really powerful and would be dangerous if you were not in relationship with him. C.S. Lewis makes this point in his book, Mere Christianity, which every Christian should read for sure. He makes this point about prayers that are not answered. And he says, if you have a father and a son, there are some things that the father can give to the son and say, you just have authority over these things. You know, you can do whatever you want in your own room. You can uh, go outside and play with your toys. But there are other things that are so dangerous and powerful that if you want to use them, you're going to need to come and talk to me. You're going to need to come and ask me, and I'm going to need to go with you and help you. If you want to use the power tools in the garage, or if, as you get older, you want to drive the car, I'm not just going to let you go off and do that on your own, because it's too dangerous. And this is the case with prayer. God is trying to build a relationship with you so that you can use his power that he has made available to you in Jesus. Jesus is teaching us here that in prayer, we need to expect that he will answer. We need to have hope, like the persistent widow did. We need to expect that he will answer our prayers. And then at the end of his teaching, Jesus says this striking question. 
Even though this is all true, prayer is the most powerful force in the world. It is available to you, and God is ready to run to you and answer your prayers. He says, when the Son of Man returns, when I return, will I find anyone on the earth who still believes? Will I find anyone on the earth who still has real faith that God is actually here and answering our prayers and doing real things in our lives. And he leaves the question open to us. We are the ones who will answer it. So, can we believe that God really answers prayers? Not just once in a while, but all the time. Not every prayer, of course, but most of them. Can we really believe this? This is a question I've posed to our youth group a number of times. How often would you pray if you really believed that when you prayed, things changed in the world? If you believed that when you prayed, most of the time, God would come and answer your prayer and give you what you wanted, if you persisted in prayer, how often would you pray? And what's the answer? Wow, the youth group always actually gives me the answer, which is nice. The answer is all the time. The answer is you would pray as much as possible. If you actually believed that God would answer your prayers, then prayer is more powerful than anything else. It's direct access to the God who created the universe and is in control of it right now. If you really believed that you had that access, you would not stop praying. Prayer is, in fact, the greatest resource that we have. It is greater than any of our own abilities, It is greater than our own thoughts and plans. It is greater than our own work. It is greater than education. It is greater than money. Because prayer can make things happen that nothing else can even touch. I'd like to tell you another story from our youth group. We've been having an incredible number of prayers answered this year. After I read this book, by George Mueller, I thought, you know what, we've just got to start praying more directly in our youth group. And so we started these prayer groups that we do after the Bible study. I had to be really strict and stop talking to them for, you know, two or three hours during the Bible study. So we had some time left for prayer, which was good for me too. And so we got into these prayer groups and I told them, you know, you need to pray. You need to, you need to imagine you're talking to God just like he's in the room because he really is in the room. And you need to try to believe that God will answer your prayers. And then when he does, you need to notice that he's answered your prayer and trust him more the next time you go to pray. And so one of these prayer groups, they started recording things in a prayer journal. And I actually didn't know about this. I almost threw away their prayer journal while I was cleaning out the youth room one day. That would have been so sad. But they came to me just this past Wednesday. And they said, you know what? We went back through our prayer journal over the past year or since the beginning of of youth group in the fall. And God has already answered more than 50% of the things we prayed for. More than half of the things they asked God for had actually happened 
in just six months. God really does answer prayer. Here's another one for you from George Mueller, the book that I gave away at the beginning. George Mueller's Five Friends. This is a story that's told about him. When he was in his 20s, he had five friends. And he thought to himself, these friends of mine are not Christians. They don't believe in God and they're ruining their lives. And so I'm going to start praying for them and trust that God will answer my prayer eventually for these five friends. And he started praying and praying and he prayed with faith and he prayed fervently and several months went by and one of them became a Christian. And he was so excited, he's praising God. So he used that and he said, now I believe that God will answer my prayer for the rest of them. And he started praying more and more for the other four. And ten years went by. And ten years went by and two more of them became Christians after 10 years. Now only two were left, and so he said, well, I'm going to press in. I'm going to pray more and more for these people. And so he prayed and prayed and prayed until 25 years had gone by, and the fourth one became a Christian. And still the fifth held out, and George Mueller prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed all the way until the day of his death for this fifth friend. He prayed for him for 52 years. And two weeks after his funeral, the guy became a Christian. Does God really answer prayer? He really does. But what would it be like to pray for someone for 52 years? To us, that seems like forever. But once we cross over to the other side and to God, it doesn't seem like very much time at all. Lastly, I'd like to mention that there have been a number of studies on prayer. We really can believe that prayer does work. Uh, prayer is a notoriously difficult thing to study because there are all kinds of scientific variables that you can't even measure, much less hold constant. But for those of you who are very scientifically minded, uh, there is at the Welcome Center a number of copies of this study, probably the most well-known scientific double-blind study on prayer that was done by uh, Dr. Randolph Bird in 1988. And this study has a very, I think the name is hilarious, Positive Therapeutic Effects of Intercessory Prayer in a Coronary Care Unit Population. It is extremely, I mean, this is a, this is a full-on a published-in-a-journal kind of thing. Uh, it was taken up by National News when it first came out. And it does demonstrate statistical significance for prayer for people who are sick and in the hospital. What I mean is that people prayed for them, and they got better more often than the people who weren't prayed for. They were able to demonstrate this scientifically. So we can really believe that prayer works. I'd like to finish just with a few practical tips on building your life of prayer and enabling yourself to pray with hope, to pray really believing that God will answer your prayers. First, I suggest that you pray for things that you care about. 
If you're praying for really huge things that are off in other places, that's not bad. But if they're not things that really matter to you, it will be very difficult to persist in prayer for a long time. So I suggest that you begin by praying for things that really matter to you. Second, I'd also suggest you begin by praying for small things. And I think this actually is the biblical progression. We pray consistently for things that are small, that we can actually bring ourselves to believe God will do for us. And as we pray for those and we see God answer, then we have more faith to pray for the next thing that might be a little bit bigger. God builds our faith just like a child, a small child, is given a little bit of responsibility. They ask their parents for things and are given a few things. Their relationship grows, and then they are able to do bigger and greater things as they grow. Also recommend you enlist other people. Again, I will be talking more about this youth intensive that we did at a later date. But one of the powerful things about that is that we are praying together for the same things over and over again. And when you do that, God answers your prayers. He runs to you and helps you. And finally, I'd like to remind you that when you pray, you need to make sure you notice the times that God answers our prayers. I can't tell you how many times this has happened in my life, and I'm sure it has happened in yours, that you've prayed for something, maybe half believing that God was really going to answer. And then it happened. And then you explained it some other way. Oh, well, you know, that was just going to happen anyway. That wasn't, that wasn't really God, or I don't know if it was God. If you pray for something, and then it happens, trust that God has answered your prayer. And notice Remember it and use it to fuel your prayer life in the future. God really will answer our prayers. He really will answer our prayers if we have hope in him and if we persist in the way of Jesus. Would you please pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for your word and the teaching you give us through your son Jesus, who is the best of all. I ask in faith and hope today that you will make us all people who believe that you answer us when we ask things of you. That you would bring us all to that place where we see you answering prayers in our lives And we are filled with real, deep faith that you are here with us. We ask this not because of ourselves, but trusting entirely in Jesus. Amen.